Back to Back Films Podcasts, where we cover the things you never knew you wanted to know about movies. I'm your host, Keith. This is Byron. And this is Jake. This is Jacob. Uh, our main topic this week is the jack of all trades. That is Shane Carruth. Um, our first film is Primer. I don't really have a ton to say about him just yet. I will <laughs> save it. <laughs> our first film is Primer, released in 2004. Um, four friends fledged, slash fledgling entrepreneurs which I actually don't like this description I meant to actually change it it's, it's not really four friends as much as two of them it happens to be four at the beginning but they quickly yeah, fall right. away to the wayside so screw those two guys th- they're kind of like your chi- like childhood friends where they're just people you kind of hang out with but yeah. maybe you don't really like them you know what yeah. I mean but they still come over and play video games with you exactly yeah, yeah. Yeah. Th- that's kind of their relationship mm-hmm. where the other two are like they happen to be like the neighbors that always hang out all yeah. the time yeah yeah, yeah exactly kind of hangers on friends yeah <laughs> <laughs> when you, when you yeah. want to play multiplayer <laughs> yeah exactly yeah uh, so on. two friends slash fledgling entrepreneurs, uh, knowing that there's something bigger and more innovative than the different error checking devices they built, wrestle over their new invention. Primer was written and directed, or sorry, written, directed, and edited by Shane Carruth. It stars him, David Sullivan, and Casey Gooden, and I believe he also composed this film. Truth. Well, mm-hmm. uh, our second film, he might have even. Okay, yeah. Uh, Our second film is Upstream Color, released in 2013. A man and a woman are drawn together, entangled in the life cycle of an ageless organism. Identity becomes an illusion as they struggle to assemble the loose fragments of wrecked lives. Upstream Color was written, directed, shot, and composed by Shane Carruth. Uh, It was... Sorry. I said this twice. It was edited by him and David Lowry. um, And it stars him... Amy Simons and Andrew Sensenig. Um, so, so, yeah, I think we should talk about kind of... I mean, we were kind of going over this before we started recording. There's not a whole lot on actually who he is. I mean, we know mm-hmm. that before making films, he was a mathematician. Mm-hmm. Um, not exactly sure what he was doing. Um, and then sort of he- just appeared on the scene, like almost out of nowhere. <laughs> Yeah, he's kind of uh, reminiscent of um, Tommy Wiseau in that sense. Oh wow! Where yeah. he kind of just appeared, oh, for sure. Just made this movie, yeah. did like you know a bunch of stuff for it or whatever. Found all the funding for it himself, and still no one really knows much about. Car- I mean, right. maybe film tight filmmaker circles around Shane know him fairly well, but like 
he's very kept his life very yeah. private. Yeah, it's interesting because it's not like he like produces anything or you know what I mean. Like he doesn't. Well, he did say he did in in Upstream Color the editing or the, the editing the credits did say he produced the movie. But I mean, but like, like, but I mean, like, but like he doesn't produce product, other stuff. Projects, right. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like because he could easily, I'm sure, because people know these films, like easily, like jump on he could jump on as producer to like other independent films but totally it doesn't seem like he's but he doesn't do it no he randomly acts in small part right here it says he did three short films which he did Mm -hmm. not direct he was he did the girlfriend experience tv show Mm -hmm. which was which his what his fiance is in right which she also uh she was one of the co-creators and then he did a cameo in swiss army man out of nowhere (laughs) Um, and if you're wondering, if you've seen that movie and are wondering, it's a towards the end. He's the coroner um, when they kind of pack away Radcliffe's body or whatever. Um, yeah, kind of has a couple. He lines. has a he has a line. He does. He does. Yeah, and you see him throughout like the whole shot. Um, it's really interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's a long shot. And then uh, that's kind of it. He directed an episode, I guess, of the scientific documentary Breakthrough. It's like or a no, National Ge- Geographic. Yeah, yeah. It's a National Geographic show. I think he's either probably has, and they're waiting to air it, or will direct. Um, and then, he has done it. Oh, he did do it. Okay. Oh, yes, yeah, twenty seventeen. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and then, excuse me. Supposedly, he's got this movie that's rolling its way through pre production right now called The Modern Ocean. Um, and the last we heard of that was in November of twenty fifteen yeah. when they announced the cast. <laughs> so, which which was Keanu Reeves, Tom Holland, Daniel Radcliffe, and Anne Hathaway. Right. Wow, that's a that's so, a cast. Yeah. That's yeah. Really bizarre. But that's the last time anyone had really talked about it. And now it just kinda crops up like here and there, like, what's happening with this movie? And yeah. I think it's just like stuck in development or something. Um from what I've gathered of Shane Carruth, um, uh, he seems to be a kind of guy who really sticks to his guns, you know, and doesn't budge on other, you know, on like the idea that he wants to do. So like he had this other project called uh, a topiary uh, in, in between primer and upstream color that um, was kind of this epic sci-fi thing about these kids who were going to create this giant monster. They're going to put like this giant animal monster together and you actually see test footage of the vfx in upstream color so like the there's like that weird box creature in upstream color that's like test footage for a topiary oh that's cool um so he yeah so he like did upstream color after working on and giving up on a topiary and so i'm not sure i i'm pretty sure they're just waiting for modern ocean to get something you know what i mean i think it's just like still stuck in figuring it out but i i mean i think he's the kind of guy who just really sticks to his guns which is really just and won't budge it's such a trip to me too that more people aren't just like given i mean his films i mean you could call upstream color a financial success completely yeah you know and primer and primer because you know on a fifty thousand dollar budget roughly maybe even let's say a hundred um it made back like five times that you know, yeah. or ten times that. Um, that's that's success. Primer was seven grand, and 
I mean, it's pretty easy to make back seven grand on a film that wins awards at Sundance, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. So, like, it's weird to me that his films, if you break down the numbers, you know, have whatever X percent, hundreds of percent that it makes back, and yet he's still struggling for some reason, is struggling. Um, and that's what a topiary happened. You know, a topiary existed. It was read by multiple filmmakers, including like Ryan Johnson, and like, and somehow it just died. Um, so it's just, it's really weird. I wish there was more more um, about the process of what he's going through because it's just like I want to know. You know. Yeah. Like. Why? Yeah, for sure. And then if you look at it too, like it took him nine years after his first film to make Upstream Color. It's yeah. A long time. It's like and Terrence Upstream Malik. was something he like did himself you know like that was just all like on his own dime you know what i mean so mm-hmm. um why why can't he just do that again <laughs> you know <laughs> just keep doing that <laughs> exactly yeah i guess apparently he just like i mean you it's hard to fund out of your own pocket right yeah. like yeah it is yeah even upstream 50 grand is cheap quote unquote for a movie but expensive for anyone to really pay for yeah yeah it's like a year of work for for a lot of people yeah exactly yeah, yeah. exactly um, so yeah, we could talk about um, Primer and kind of what he did to really like, you know, take that budget as far as it could go, and then some. Really, yeah. Um, I think part of it had to do with his choices of where he filmed it. Obviously, how he filmed it. Uh, they filmed on a sixteen millimeter film. Um, obviously, due to the cost of film, you know, they could apparently he was only doing like two to one or something like two takes oh wow and just go with it yeah um mm-hmm. you know friends and family did a lot of the help on the film setting stuff up crew so you friends, did, yeah. Catering, yeah. yeah catering yeah catering mom's yeah. in there making spaghetti yeah <laughs> yeah you know, that scene where his they're at the table at the very beginning and she's like doing dishes i feel like she just was like you can film your little movie, but I got to do the dishes. Yeah. So he just like, <laughs> yeah, around it. Like, you know, it just had that sense to it. Um, and then obviously using locations that were just out and about and cheap. Yeah. Uh, you know, somehow they got some access to the storage facility, you know, mm-hmm. reusing a lot of things. Like he really, really pushed that budget um, as far as you could go, the shot shooting in his garage, a whole bunch, um, <laughs> building these really vague looking you know boxes for the time yeah. machine um uh-huh. you know the most expensive stuff really was probably like getting some access to the airport yeah especially right after like 9-11 and then um <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't know wherever they filmed the very very ending scenes you know where the french guy is talking or whatever you know that i don't know where they filmed right. that so but that was probably one of the more expensive stuff but everything else was just like went to film Literally the, the yeah. physical film and then building the props, probably. Yeah, because he said he filmed a lot of it like in his garage or something. Yeah, a lot of it was yeah. in his garage. A lot of it was. I mean, I imagine that's his garage. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I bet. Some yeah. of it was at night. You know, they faked a party. I wonder mm-hmm. if he still has that garage. You know what I mean? Or if it's like oh, someone I don't know. Else, yeah, that's a good know? question. Yeah. Oh yeah. The house where they filmed a lot of primary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but apparently, like almost all of the budget was on the film stock i think oh, they got to sense. use a lot of those lo- locations just off of favors yeah I'm like because sure. they filmed like the hotel scene scenes like at the hilton they probably didn't even you know? say that they were doing it 
yeah, yeah was, or he just went in like hey can i shoot here yeah. or something i don't know it's it's a it's a tough hotel call. rooms are pretty easy to film in yeah gorilla just, style. they are yeah, it's pretty yeah. you can you can haul in a bunch of equipment from a bunch of different doors no one will really ask you any questions porn does it all the time <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> there you go, yeah. So like, you know, um and if you're in a hotel room and have a do not bother sign then yeah. Have Yeah, them. just do yeah. that. Um That makes sense though, definitely. Mm-hmm. Calling in favors, you know, knowing people, maybe he knew someone who manages that storage facility, so they let him rent out one for for cheap, 20 bucks a month or whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and then he did all this, he edited it. One point he like was getting so fed up with it that it t- it actually like he had to force himself to actually edit the film and get it done with. <laughs> he composed the music, you know. So he did like that keeps costing a right? lot because yeah. you can do it all yourself and it's all on your own time. So, um, yeah. yeah, it'd be interesting because if he, if he shot on film, I wonder if he edited it through a digital process because that would cost money. Oh that yeah, would cost money to to get that done. You know what I mean? That's a good point. yeah. He, I, I mean that that's like the only way to, yeah, to do yeah. it. Like after the seventies, it was right, like right. it all became, but would, yeah, yeah but the non-linear cost of money to, to yeah, you know. because you got to think it's two thousand four. Yeah. So the editing programs are. St- I mean, you're looking at like what CS three, CS two, yeah. maybe if you're had, in Adobe Suite. I think they had Avid. Um, but how expensive but, are those? Yeah, to, so to, I don't know if he had yeah. to rent that stuff or how that works. So I wonder I what, what how he did that. I'm curious. Maybe he hmm. just fucking cut and taped man cut and tape cut and tape cut and tape yeah um he was talking about how he like he shot it like using really crappy cameras first and then um like then reshot it again using the nice cameras oh wow like so he like had a sense of like what he wanted to do like beforehand that makes sense and then and then brought in the nice because he was like in a backstage interview or not backstage just in like a random interview at sundance he was talking about how he uh had no idea what the hell he was even doing (laughs) you know and he's just like yeah so i just decided i wanted to do this and so i had to read a lot so i read a lot about cinematography and and all this stuff and we you know we ended up shooting on these digital cameras you know these just little crappy ones and then figured it out after that you you know yeah, yeah yeah and then he like picked like his own like stock that he wanted to use and then you know and all that all that stuff yes and then he did a ton of reading because he wasn't like a physicist he's a mathematician so he did do a ton of reading on physics to like make sure he got all the dialogue right and you know and yeah and you know found out how scientists usually really talk to each other just that it sounded more legitimate you know the Mm -hmm. dialogue is definitely interesting like that first like 20 minutes or so when there's just like a lot of like talk Mm -hmm. it's like yeah it's interesting because it doesn't it's so much that to me it didn't I, I wasn't getting lost in it but it was like purposefully done so that it was like you kind of glossed over some of it but it also yeah. kind of propelled it forward though at the same yeah. time like it was kind of it yep. was weird you know yeah like you buy what is happening because of yeah it. exactly so, so you know it, kinda, it, it raises your curiosity but it's not like you're hanging on every word Totally. Right. It was a way to like increase the production quality without literally, you know, because they're trying to do things on the cheap, right? So you find ways to to raise your quality to a level that would be 
competitive and that was a way to really set set her because yeah. he could have done like yeah if you just like fucking turn the doohickey and <laughs> screw this little thing in there and then we just put this knob on yeah. it'll be good you know but you sound like a fucking kid jackass making a right. fucking sci-fi movie right but he he, yeah. he took the time to like really just hone in on the on the lingo yeah i really like that it, mm-hmm. it, it it definitely brought like an authenticity to it but it also like it grounded it in kind of like a reality that like you said, I think it would have just become like cheese ball if it if it exactly. wasn't, you know. Yeah. Like exactly. Are we watching Doctor Who? You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you just lost all the Doctor Who listeners or watchers. <laughs> who well, I mean, but you know what I mean. That show has its own, you know, yeah. co- not corny, but like it has it has some of that cheese and campiness. It's like it. campy. Yeah, yeah. It's part of, it's part of the show. Kind of meant if you're a Doctor Who fan and you don't know that that's cheesy, then you need to watch more TV shows <laughs> or more yeah. movies in general. Yeah. Watch less Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe watch some Doctor Doolittle. Yeah, you know. Monty Python. Or oh yeah, those are those are better. Um, so what really like set it apart as like a, what made it successful? Because obviously, I mean, it got a crazy reception and run the it won the grand jury prize at Sundance. Um, a widespread critical acclaim you know Ebert was all over it like pretty much you know people really didn't have much bad to say about it yeah to me I think it's the same reason it was successful the same reason like Inception was uh, successful in the sense I think people really do enjoy movies that kind of challenged them I think so too and Mm -hmm. for that crowd for the people that were at Sundance I think they wanted to see a film or it was refreshing to see a film that kind of challenged them in a way that maybe they hadn't been challenged before, especially with like a high concept science fiction film. You know, it's not like yeah. it's not like kind of like a sci-fi um, action movie. You know, because those are yeah. normally cheesy and 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 they just aren't normally um, put to the screen well, especially with a seven thousand dollar budget. You know what I mean? Um, so I think it was kind of like a combination of just like, oh man, this is intelligent. It's not. It's not trying to like be something too insane you know what mm-hmm. i mean it, like it, it yeah it's, yeah it feels like it's aware of exactly what it is that's the thing you know what i mean I like it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. like self-aware but intelligent at the same time and i think audiences are always really down for that and with inception same thing it's you can see that movie and it's like it has action elements it has hollywood uh, you know hollywood yeah. elements to it but it's also aware that it it's tapping into something more than like what a james bond film would do right or just like a regular heist movie right right yeah so like it kind of puts an extra spin on it that kind of challenges the viewer a little bit and i think like you know keith has said before i think you know audiences are you know smarter than what maybe a lot of people you know think of and i think the challenge is something Mm -hmm. that people always want you know i think that's for me i think that's when i see primer i think that that's kind of why i think so too yeah for sure and i think like you know, if you compare it to something like even like Interstellar, mm-hmm. where it kind of starts to try to mess with the time travel plot, it kind of just like it kind of has this feeling of like I don't know, almost arrogance of the plot. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. where this is just like the whole point, even in his own words, was that the, it's about two people who just happen to stumble upon it, yeah. and they are entirely yeah. unequipped to deal with yeah. it. Because in you know again what he said was a lot of the greatest discoveries <laughs> in human history were accidents. Yeah, like chocolate chip cookies. Were they? Yeah, that, that's really. How, I think how were how were I forget, how were those I, an accident? I, I honestly don't know the exact story, but I've heard that it was an accident. Like the guy, 
I forget exactly how it happened, but it was yeah, it was an accident. The chocolate chocolate fell into the fell cookie into dough, the cookie dough and, it, <laughs> yeah. and he's like fuck it let's try it and it was like damn yeah, <laughs> yeah. it changed the game but yeah a lot of them i mean a lot of the greatest discoveries are just like entirely accessed by people who had no business even discovering them mm-hmm. you know interstellar yeah. kind of was like they kind of tried to play like all these scientists knew kind of what was going on and even despite what they knew or whatever like i don't know there's always a bunch of really smart people who always kind of know what's going on yeah when that's rarely the case, that's more of a superhero movie mm-hmm. thing that people, that filmmakers right. like to do. Definitely, um, I kind of feel it. Like, oh, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say Interstellar. I, I think you're right. I think Interstellar kind of, at first, feels like primary, you know, yeah. and like how it's like, oh, this is going to be science focused, and then they have like this, like at the very end, there's like a, li- like a fourth dimensional library, exactly. you know, yeah. that he's like swimming through, yeah. and it's like. I like the science of this is just like kind of gone. You know what I mean? Exactly. But it like tries to set that up at the beginning versus Primer. That's Primer sticks to its own like idea from the get go. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like what Christopher Nolan did was a little bit more pretentious because of that. That's what I think too. Yeah. It just, yeah, it tried to be highbrow when it didn't need to be. Right. And then you get films like this or 2001 that were like, we know what we want to do. And we're just gonna stick to that. Yeah, yeah. I think like and and Memento, like right. Memento's, for me is very much in line. I with think Memento's more primer. primer. Yeah, yeah. For sure. And I think yeah. I think a part of that is because the pretentiousness of Interstellar, I think, goes with baggage for Nolan. Whereas yeah. with Shane Carruth, this is his first movie, and people like a surprise. They like yeah. a oh, yeah. a, they they like um finding someone or or something you know like yeah. it was it was like oh who is this guy you know kind of like an enigma you know and, and yeah i think that is also has to be attributed to this to the success of the film it's like oh we we found a gold mine in, in this filmmaker mm-hmm. whereas yeah i think that happened with memento you know fo- yeah follow, exactly following was good but then memento came out and it was like it really blew his career up and, right and and i think that's why memento and primer are more aligned with one another because i think the audiences were both aware that this is something new from a, a vision that they hadn't quite, or a visionary right. that they hadn't quite seen before. Exactly. Whereas right. by Interstellar, everybody has seen the Dark Knight movies. They've they, they're aware of um, the prestige and the twist there, and and, and they're aware of, of of Nolan's baggage. And because of that pretentiousness, it doesn't come across the same as a primer. At least, at least yeah. to me. And it's so how did you guys keep bringing up Chris Nolan? And I was thinking about Chris Nolan too we when that so much we, when I was watching these movies. <laughs> and like, why why do you guys like? How are these two filmmakers like similar or, or and different? Like what what makes us like gravitate towards Nolan's films when we're talking about Shankar? I think he's an easy target. First of all, he's like, an easy Nolan's target. Ta- easy target. But Especially for us. He's also, he's interested in stuff that like Spielberg and J.J. Abrams and John Favreau aren't in the sense he, he is tapping into something that seems to be more like, he's more, dare I say, intellectual than those filmmakers in the sense of sure. like, he's tackling subjects or themes that aren't necessarily purely emotional or entertaining. They're topics or themes that are, that make you think more. You know so I mean? how 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 and, is he related and, and, to and, Shane? And Carruth, yeah. I don't think he's interested in like you wouldn't see him make a Hollywood movie or anything. He's interested in in 
a very particular vision that he has, which I think to me, he's an intelligent guy, obviously. So I think sure. his stuff just comes across as something that's super well thought out. And when an audience sees something that's so thought out, it, I don't know. I, I, cause like Nolan's stuff isn't like shoddily put together. You know what I mean? No. Like it, it no. feels again, like he's, thought about it a lot you know like and then like you know chris Christopher nolan's uh cinematographer uh wally fister like fister he did that yeah. he directed a film called transcendence and it, it didn't it it was something that you could kind of see christopher nolan maybe doing too but it was kind of shoddily put together like it wasn't it didn't huh. have that that yeah. intellect behind it that christopher nolan does and because there's been a lot of copycats that are trying to tap into that market that nolan has been able to get into Mm-hmm. And I think Carruth has done that, but on an independent level. He's not interested in making those blockbusters. He's he's, right. he's more into the art. I think Nolan yeah. wants to make Primer too. In that, like, he keeps trying <laughs> to like make yeah. these films that are like feel so easy to make, but he just can't hit that mark. I don't think. And I also yeah. think like he nolan constantly tries to want to live like i mean his biggest comparison to interstellar was 2001 that was from his own lips yeah but i mm-hmm. think he's trying too hard with that like i think you know you just gotta <laughs> you gotta make it and not try to be kubrick you it's know kind of a film bro in that sense yeah and i think <laughs> I, and i don't i mean like i agree with byron too where like i be, i really believe that nolan doesn't half-ass his movie i think he they're thought out they're certainly yeah, yeah. Are. um i would probably give him you know i'd probably say he's probably like three layers deep of thought out mm-hmm. i think karu is like five yeah you know i think especially with upstream color yeah and i think that is yeah. kind of the difference here is like i get the feeling nolan kind of wants to do that but because of his own baggage yeah. and a and desires for filmmaking just won't ever get there yeah because he, he i i don't think he can with like the budget no. that he's i don't think working so, with because no. like w- when you're in the studio system that changes the movies that you're gonna be making it, so he has like a reputation that he needs to i mean he doesn't need to uphold that but if he wanted he could go shoot something over in germany you know yeah. what i mean like there's no reason that he well, he's got the reputation in- as the guy who can walk into a room with an original idea and walk out with two hundred million dollars, which is unheard. Right. Of. I yeah. mean, really. Yeah. I mean, that is that right. is a, which which is awesome. That's great, and but it's, I that's think that's on a level that no yeah. one else. I mean, Spielberg struggles to make movies for yeah. that much yeah. that are even close to yeah. that are not even original. Yeah, you know. So like, right. but mean, because the budgets are so high, he can't he can't go make Primer. Like exactly. he can't take that chance. You know what right. I mean? And I feel like he's not interested in being like a Soderbergh, right? Where Soderbergh does like the big Hollywood thing and then he does like these super low independent films that cost like $20,000. Yeah. I don't... Yeah. I think to Nolan, it's almost like... It, he. There's no way he'd ever do that. I don't think he's interested in like making a, a, a no. Caruth-like film and then a big blockbuster no. and then back to a Caruth-like film. He's... And in that sense, I kind of... I, I, I kind of despise him in the sense because like like you said i think he wants to make those like i think he wants to like marry the two worlds yeah you know? he, he does yeah in, in, but i don't i think at the same time i think he thinks he's above that he's above 
being able to just make something that's completely his own vision um he revels i think in the sense that he can make something on such a huge scale i think so you know because like he he's he shot at least the last three or four of his films partly in imax it's like spectacle like he's into that big yeah thing and, and right and there's no yeah. way he's going to sacrifice that to to make something that's going to be like caruth or tarkovsky or whatever you know which he could easily do you know yeah but that's just not what he's interested yeah. in yeah i think you're i think you nailed it i would love to uh, it's funny how this is, we're doing a shane caruth episode and we all talk about good nolan. chunk of the time we're, we're talking about chris nolan it's just kind of funny because just because they are very similar well I, you know i mean we haven't talked about upstream color a, a, a lot yet, but I also feel like Terrence Malick can be thrown into the discussion a lot. Yeah, um, especially with upstream yeah. color and Tree of to, Life. Oh, that's one hundred percent. When Malick. it comes to editing and 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 how he shot it, very Lubetsky, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, it's like a poem, you know. Um, but we can get into that maybe later. Or just let's do it now. He has to say, let's just do it because um, <laughs> I think that's totally true. I think literally the first person i have to think of is malik i feel like yeah. he probably saw because this came out what two years after tree of life yeah, i think roughly around yeah yeah he had to years, have seen yeah. that movie and been oh, like man this I'm is sure. like 100 this is like true filmmaking because i mean you can tell it's yeah. just where he wants to live at um that's immediately what i thought especially the the uh the cross cutting because mm-hmm. i think that is the key yeah. that's the key to upstream color and the key to all malik films is the cross cut mm-hmm. And how like yeah. you cut from, you know, I mean, I think the most, or the hard cut, also yeah. I think because like you know one example is is the hard cut from the uh, taser to to uh, what's her face in the Chris or whatever in the film, you know as she's yeah. walking, you know that's a that's a very obvious telling cut right, um, or when he's cross cutting Karuth running. All the kids are doing their like haya shit, you know, like <laughs> yeah, and you know, like that. That is trying to tell you something, yeah. right? Or how like you know, like it'll cut to them in the bed, and then suddenly it cuts to them like in the pig on the bed in the pig's yeah. and then yeah, cutting yeah, to I was the pigs. Say bring up and, the like, pigs or the sure. I think probably mm-hmm. the most famous, not the most famous, but the most obvious cross cut is the cut from. The pig, uh, the the pig funnel to the train. Oh, you know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where is that not what you were thinking? I was thinking of when the pigs like, the the female and the male pig like meet. Or that too, yeah. Like that part yeah. too, yeah. yeah. Like, or when the kids get taken away. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 That whole yeah. yeah, that whole sequence is literally just cross cutting yeah. as yeah. they lose their yeah. minds and then, you know, are dealing with emotions that they can't control because the emotions are not even derived from them. Yeah. Um, is, but yeah, <laughs> which I think is so cool. I really like that train. That train cut is actually one of my favorites just because it's so ma- it's matched yeah. so well. And it like, mm-hmm. is such an interesting idea. This concept of being funneled through a train. It kind of reminded me of Solaris in a way. Totally. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Oh, huh. yeah. That's interesting. I would imagine Tarkovsky was up there as, as pe- persons he. Yeah. Were influenced. Especially by. with upstream color. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I mean, upstream color was just as low budget. I mean, really, as primer, not as low budget, obviously, but I mean, right. comparably speaking to other films, it's pretty low budget. Um, and he does a lot with it. I mean, he was. That's also one of the films that was shot on the GH four. 
mm-hmm. you know, which is incredible. And you you can see that as a little DSLR at times, but he does a really great job with the yeah. cinematography of like making it look like a film. Yeah, especially like the nighttime stuff. He, he, yeah, he, he was able to shoot that really well. It didn't look like it was like lit. You exactly. Know I mean? Like, exactly. but it didn't yeah. look supernatural too. You know, what I mean, it looked, um, it looked well done. Of course, there were yeah. scenes of of artificial lighting, but for the most part, a lot of it was yeah. like, you know, real, yeah. like light. And you could tell he didn't use like um, LUTs. He was kind of, and I think LUTs really weren't a huge thing at that time. Um, where you yeah. could put, I think he had a colorist on on this movie, right? But it wasn't like it seemed. It did, like there were a lot of like, it just seemed a lot of not gray, but like, I guess a little desaturated. Totally, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah like it was kind of muddy looking. Yeah. A little yeah. bit, yeah. Um, not in a bad way, just no, in like a. Yeah. That's what they decided to go yeah, with. It was definitely not stylized, but because of that, it kind of had its own style. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It has a look that not a lot of films have. Yeah, like a, I would say. Well, I feel like a lot of independent films from that like 2010 to 2013 era kind of looked like that. And I'm not sure, the biggest sure. fan of it, to be honest. But yeah. but it's like all kind of low independent films that were ironically shot on like dslrs <laughs> yeah it kind of has that like you know how you, when you shoot in raw and it has yep. like that flat look yep. it kind of looks like that like uncolor graded that's exactly that's what kind it of what like, I was kind of too, look. yeah that's that's what i meant by like let's like it didn't it didn't it felt like like yeah it felt a little yeah it wasn't graded completely but i mean yeah you can yeah. tell it was a, a definite choice though you know what i mean it yeah didn't, it wasn't like i could tell it wasn't like he didn't have time or money to do it you know <laughs> oh yeah yeah i think like they d- i think you're right i think it was intentional kinda, to like not have the like like the contrast isn't really there yeah, kinda, and neither is the saturation saturation so like the blacks aren't like true blacks and yeah. the it, whites aren't which true makes whites. sense because like it's it's a kind of a melancholy kind of film and and, and the if you saw blacks and you saw whites it's like a definite like oh that's black that's white yeah the whole film yeah. isn't about anything that's like concrete you know what I mean? It's yeah. like it is kind of organic, you know, about I mean, yeah, upstream color. I mean, literally, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the most car- colorful parts of this movie are like those orchids and that blue looking dust, you know, yeah. that comes off of that guy's finger, yeah, you know. Like it's just like vibrant. Yeah. It's cool stuff. Yeah, it's a, what a raging cool. piece of shit that guy is also. Can we just say that? Guy? <laughs> like those last shots you get right at the end of the film where he's like confused and sad by can't get any of his more of his blue powders like fuck yeah. you, you ass fuck like <laughs> god. That's what I really liked about this film uh for this watch cuz I watched this one time before. Uh but like this time I realized that the the pig guy wasn't really the person at fault but he gets blamed for it yeah and it just yeah, that yeah. that felt so you know you could apply it you could copy paste that to really any sort of corporate yeah. america situation <laughs> you know like the person where we blame for everything is um is not the person who's at fault but it's their job to take the blame and the, sort but of they thing. didn't know that he wasn't the guy that was doing all the others you know what i mean like, exactly which exactly which yeah awesome. yeah and they like feel <laughs> kind of better about the vengeance yeah. you know what yeah. i mean yeah he has a really yeah. cool quote from an interview in io9 that says so the idea that they would find this pig sampler or this pig farmer slash sampler character to be the culprit for all their problems when in reality we of the audience see that uh, of the three people continuing this life cycle the thief is definitely the malicious one the orchid harvesters are definitely benign and it's a sampler who is interesting but he's not necessarily doing anything wrong he's just an observer 
Um, you can make a case for whether or not he's culpable uh, yeah, really, in being able yeah. to benefit from the observation. <laughs> but I mean, like you know, really, it's the thief that fucked with everyone is fucking with people, and he's yeah. he's kind of profiting off of the life cycle, basically. Where the other dude just seems to be like chilling, and then for some reason is a part. It has a has a conscious part in the continuation of the life cycle, which I didn't really get. Like he throws the the pigs, the baby piglets, to die in the stream so that they can give the organism to the plants, which the women know will be there. So they harvest it yeah. and then make the thing. Which I didn't really get why it was a consciously f consciously created cycle. Yeah, it felt a little bit of a stretch. Yeah. Just a little bit for me. Like, why would he care? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that does make him kind of culpable in yeah. that sense. But the reality of his life is that he's mainly just watching. Yeah. I mean, he also transfers yeah. the worm from them to the pig, knowing that, that cool. there's going to be an the effect. sounds right? and stuff. That yeah. sound, I, I really like that sound. We had to turn it down, though, because <laughs> uh, Kaylin could, she couldn't listen to it. It was like, actually like... Oh, really? Making her like I loved it. Pain. Or oh, like, yeah. We had turned down. I love that song. Yeah, I thought that, it was awesome. Yeah, that's funny. Boom. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. When I saw that in theaters, like that was yeah. sick. Yeah, and listening to it yeah. with the sound bar and the bass yeah. just yeah. Doom, doom. <laughs> cool. nice. I like, it. Uh, I like a lot of the music in this one, actually. Yeah, we love um, the yeah. the one part where they're looking at the files. And they're uh, yeah. they're sending the files to people. The music for that part mm-hmm. was like, and then they use that yeah. music for the trailer. Which yeah, if you it's same music. Have you yeah. watched Primer trailer recently? The, a Primer trailer, uh-uh. like search for Primer, like the first and one of the first thing that comes up uses the same song as the Upstream Color trailer, which is the one from the movie Upstream Color. So someone went through and recut primer to that song which made me be like like really it was weird too like what please don't do that the song that they used for that same trailer for upstream color i saw a fan re-edit trailer for solaris by tarkovsky and they used that they used that same song it was actually well done that's kind of cool it was well done but i was like oh but i know what this is attributed to really yeah yeah that's well that's kind of interesting because it's like clashing these things that but you know that aren't normally being clashed. But really, that kind of melatonin. What would you call? What, what, I wouldn't call what, it melatonin. What do you? <laughs> mel- it's like melatonin tones. Oh, uh, well, you know? melatonin is like a substance that you use to help you sleep. So the, I don't know if that's the right. Yeah, one. but like a lot of those <laughs> like tones that he's doing, there's like another term for it. But like they, I feel like I could sleep to like this. Oh, maybe soundtrack. Uh, yeah. I think so too. You know what I mean? There's parts. I mean, the part where they're like at the table and she shoots the guy or whatever. You know that part. Music. I don't know if you could sleep to. <laughs> oh yeah, but I mean, like in general, like the yeah. music no. for Upstream and Primer really are. They're both like pretty melatonin-y. I don't know. <laughs> I don't no, they're good. Know how to I describe they're, it? They're both great. I think they both fit very well. You know, I like Primer's kind of piano. Piano-y sort of cinematic music, upstream color yeah. kind of plays more with, I think, stretched sounds. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like that when the guy is uh, the sampler guy is like recording sounds to like mess with them. I yeah. feel like Caruth probably did that. That was, yeah, you know, yeah, in real life. That was like, cool. I, gri- I, gri- yeah. I grinned. 
Yeah. That was a cool I, yeah. I love seeing that just just because it seemed like this guy's like a craftsman. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's like really like going for it. And I love seeing stuff like that where like people are really passionately doing the something that just they do it for the joy yeah i love it you know and it was just like oh that's I so love nice. that because it's like fetishization of what it's like a ritual you know of what he's yeah, doing yeah it's like the same thing of when you know drive you know ryan gosling is is fixing his car parts and stuff you oh, know yeah. i love it yeah when, like, yeah filmmakers just hone in on the character or a character doing like this ri- ritualistic like a methodical yeah thing. and it's yeah. Yeah. It's just more interesting than just like seeing him look in a mirror and into his face. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah, for sure. Um, what a- um so I have a question. Yeah. You guys do you mind switching to something else? Ooh. So we on this show have talked about how there's a lot of plot plot obsessionists. That's a word. <laughs> plot people who obsess over the plot. Yeah. plot both have plots that are kind of hard to wrap your mind around totally i i I think um so in in a world where we have a plot obsessionist how is primer how are primer and upstream color both are either successful or frustrating to the viewer uh with primer i think i think primer is more engaging than upstream color is in terms of its plot because i think there's a puzzle there that people naturally want to dig into. Pe- people who are plot obsessed want to dig into, you know, trying to figure mm-hmm. out who is who, who's original, who's future, you know, how is the how does the box work? I think that there is, you know, it's like a like a scratch off ticket or something. People just want to keep scratching at it to see if they can get at something. Um, I think upstream color, I think by its nature of the way it's edited, I think people who are plot purists aren't going to give as much of a shit about it because it's just, yeah. they think, I, I'm, I, we're generalizing here quite a bit, but in general, I think people who are super into their plot don't like when things are edited in a way to obfuscate the plot. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't yeah. think they're even willing. It's more like, well, fuck you for being pretentious. I don't even care about your plot, you know? Um, yeah. Whereas Primer didn't make you feel like they were trying to screw with the plot. Because the plot is time travel, which is inherently, like, you know, it's inherently going to be trippy. It's going to mess with, with the normal order of things. Do you see a ghost right. back there? Uh, no, my cat was trying to break in through the door, which is a sliding door. So, fun. some a little fun sound design for the listeners, <laughs> I think, right there. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think, yeah, I think plot purists are going to like Primer more. You know, they might dig into Upstream Color a little bit. I mean, Upstream Color, like, is plotting is it's fairly simple in the it's sense not of too yeah, bad, yeah, yeah. It, it's the first time you watch it it's hard to kind of connect like at least for me like the whole the pigs and, and that they're kind of yeah like, connected to i mean the cross-cutting helps with that especially when i watch yeah. it the second time it's like oh okay second but, time makes way more but sense but that first time is kind of like it's a little i don't know those it's a little it's so experimental in a sense that you know there's yeah. nothing else like it that and it doesn't really feed it to you on a 
flatter, you know? Like, right. it's, it's like, it gives you, like, a lot of samples, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I just think it's nature of that type of movie. I think people, experimental films really can turn people off mm. just by their very nature and just make mm-hmm. them not even interested in considering it. Um, whereas, yeah, like Primer, Primer is in, wants to engage with you in that sense, wants you to think about like what's going on. You know? Yeah. Um, like it feels, it feels like the kind of movie that like someone on the internet has like figured out the, like the, like how many guys there are, yeah. you know, or like they've created like, like an infographic on like, like how they like like plotted every day like Monday through Saturday or something you know and like f- figured out where they've gone and how that whole thing even worked I figured out but little holy drive <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it's like it's like but upstream color like isn't as satisfying yeah. you know to like solve uh, but it is satisfying because of like its themes yeah. you know and like how like the convoluted plot helps aid the 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 theme or like the the hard to grasp ideas are like aid in the theme of the movie yeah 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 i think upstream color is more of a theme movie than a plot movie primer's a plot yeah. movie like yeah the, but primer's also very like thematic of course too. of course it definitely you know? has its themes to it but i think it lives in its ability to convolute the plot and create yeah. these moments of confusion based on the on where you're actually supposed to be at in the timeline. Yeah. You know, which I think yeah. is just naturally more engaging. Plus, Primer, you know, Upstream Color is considered a sci-fi film, like a sci-fi drama, but mm-hmm. I think Primer is a sci-fi film and sci-fi enthusiasts are known in their like own like ways. What are you looking at? What are you doing? Oh. Nothing. Um, I think <laughs> Yeah, I think Primer Sorry. is is it, it, sci-fi enthusiasts will go out of their way to do all sorts of things. It attracts a certain type of obsession. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. so. obsessive. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, so, like, obsessive person. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, yeah. I don't know. That's that's kind of what I think. I think if you're a plot person, you know, watch Primer. But also, you should watch both because they're both great movies. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, for sure. What else you got? Um, man, I I don't I don't really know because like there's there's not much about Shane Carruth at all around. Like we know, know that he is a math he was a mathematics person and he was working on like flight simulators before Primer, and we know that he was always a storyteller. This is from his mouth in some interviews. He was like, I've always been writing stories. I wrote a screenplay once that was twenty pages and. It wasn't very good, and then I, you know, just came found out the idea for Primer. Just came up with it after reading some books about Discovery. Um, but I, I'm just curious if you guys have any thoughts on how him being a mathematics person, like you know, an engineer, how that kind of potentially affected Primer or Upstream Color, uh, and just his maybe his process of thinking about stories. Uh, you know, because it's not like he's like a british guy who's making these like character dramas you know what i mean or you know what i mean like he's definitely like you can kind of feel the math behind primer obviously but also in upstream color there's like a 
there's like some kind of mathematic style to it. I mean, that's just my opinion, but I'm curious if you guys kind of got that sense too. Dare I say it's calculated? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it really is. Though. I think he's calculated, and I think also yeah. part of it too is that you don't go into a field like math or engineering without being a serious academic. And I think that yeah. comes out in the fact that he was willing to train himself to do primer. He looks like an academic. I mean, yeah. Yeah. He he, he looks like he graduated from the College of Caruth. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Caruth it sounds like a college name, you know? Yeah. That does sound like a college name. Yeah. Yeah, the, Dart, one of the Ivy yeah, Leagues, like Dartmouth, for sure. You know, like Caruth. Yeah, you know? or, the, or Orchid Leeds. Orchid <laughs> <Yeah>. Leeds. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> oh, everything about these two movies seems way more calculated than other films mm-hmm. that I've seen. And I think it really comes down to his academic background. Because, like I said, you don't, you know, he had to learn a lot for primer. Yeah. And not only did he have to teach himself filmmaking, but he had to teach himself, you know, physics, he had to teach himself lingo. Like, that's a big one. How, how, just teaching yourself and learning about how people talk is big. And then applying that, you know? And it shows, like, just a lot of, like, passion. I mean, to do all that research and everything just requires so much passion but if you're an academic i guess it becomes easier because that's that's what academics do they revel in the research and getting yeah. that knowledge mm-hmm. and um so it makes sense i mean kubrick was like that too you know he reveled in just researching and researching that's why it takes him so long it made it took him so long to between projects mm-hmm. you know because he just had to yeah. he had to know everything there was to know about you know the 1700s or 1600s or whatever you know or or you know all that um before he mm-hmm. did anything um i think caruth is kind of the same comes from that same mindset you know um i think nolan is kind of like that uh, whereas like i don't think spielberg i mean he'll read like maybe a the the most that you know if, if he's doing world war ii film he'll he'll do like you know the the best biography of one of the soldiers and that would be it you know <laughs> like, yeah spielberg's more concerned about the movie like right movies as opposed to the reality yeah i mean obviously yeah. there's some reality like yeah you know there are little details like in saving private ryan that really sell yeah. it into Schindler's reality list Schindler's and, list yeah. and stuff but but he's I got mean, a huge fucking crew that helps him with all that shit you know a lot of researchers yeah, a lot of people right <laughs> he yeah. doesn't have to focus it all. he doesn't and, have to do it all yeah. himself right exactly so right even like his most like science fiction movie minority report he had like this huge like they hired like all these like science yeah. intellectuals to to like talk about And it makes me wonder, like, is Karuth doing all of his like everything in his movie because of the budget, or is he doing it because he like doesn't want other people? You know what I mean? I feel like not that it's like yeah, I feel like it's like he has to do it. Like it's like it's his it's his paper, you know? Like it's it's his little baby. Yeah, you know, it's it's it's, you know he's he's at school and. He has to finish the document, you know. It's it can't be yeah. anybody else's, you know. I think that's just kind of that's how I get it or I feel, yeah. you know. It's all because he like cuts the trailers and he yeah. 
designed the Blu-ray cover. You know what I mean? Like he does like all of that stuff and the poster. Damn. So he's a graphic uh, designer too. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. He's like a man of multiple talents. Yeah. But I think that the kicker here is that he he understands that you can gain all of these skills. These are just skills. Yeah. yeah. Talent yeah. really is just a natural inkling for something, but no one just picks up a guitar and is like shredding. I mean, it's very, 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 very rare, right? right. It's more like you kind of have a sense of how to do this yeah. naturally, and then you practice mm. a billion hours a day, practice every day, right. to to do it. Um, it's just like editing, yeah. You know, yeah. Like, it, it's it, and now with technology, anybody can. Exactly. Can really, just if, yeah. If they spend enough time doing it, they can do it. Yeah. And really, filmmaking was is like that now, m- way more than it was before. Because before, people couldn't even do, do filmmaking, yeah. but now anyone can just do Cell it. Phone and an app. Yeah, that's all you really yeah. need. Yeah, you can do the <laughs> whole know? film on your phone. Yep. You know, um, but yeah. I think, yeah, I think just his ability to be trained to discipline himself to learn something, I think, is is the kicker here. You know, yeah. when you learn math, and you're going to pursue math as a major, you're going to spend hours just reading, yeah, and understanding, and you know, just repetition, and that's that's what talent that's what talent is. That's what ability is is just repetition. You you know, Jimmy Page. Yeah. Name any rock star who <laughs> drummer, guitarist, yep. singers, they got there because they just did it yeah. a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Owned their craft mm-hmm. over and over. Yeah. So yeah. I it's think... like Jacob's premium Snapchat channel. <laughs> my my primo Snapchat channel. <laughs> primo. Oh my god. <laughs> a little throwback for the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I I don't remember what's your what's your question. Oh, I guess yeah. I think that's what separates him out as a as a person, really. Just his ability to discipline, you know, and and yeah, the fact that he was able to. And maybe it's because maybe he didn't know how to describe it to people. Maybe that's mm-hmm. why he does everything. Mm-hmm. Maybe he doesn't know how to how to tell someone how to. Direct. Maybe he needs to find how it. How the yeah. fuck do yeah. you pitch upstream color? Like seriously, like. Well, that's like <laughs> I don't do think you, you do. How do you pitch any yeah. Malik movie yeah. ever? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, his pitch for for Tree of Life was like a series of essays, poems, pictures, yeah. random I got, writings. I got, I got, I got a, a, po- a couple poems in <laughs> a lookbook for you. I mean, there was yeah. They said there was like no real script to it. Yeah. Right. You know, even big, larger filmmakers like Tim Burton like is not a well-spoken guy. You know, and he like he'll like he'll use like watercolor paintings to like help pitch his movies you know what i mean like even he like a a nightmare before christmas was like just a poem before and that's and he didn't really help out on that movie at all yeah really but like they slapped his name on it because he was you know a hot hot item but uh but like he just had a poem and that movie got made you know what i mean so it's like this weird uh thing where like even people who don't know how to explain their thoughts through words are still successful yeah you know because like he was an artist before he was like a director you know tim burton yeah was he a painter i think so yeah he looks like the painter type and i think he did like him and david lynch cartoon stuff you know like i think he did animation oh i see that makes sense yeah you can really see that so here's an interesting quote from tom holland 
Oh. So this was actually last year, April 11, 2017. He says, so he, when asked, um, this was like, see, right after doing Lost City of Z, uh, he was asked about the modern ocean. And mm-hmm. he says, quote, do you know what? I don't, uh, he was asked if it was, st- if it still might happen. He says, quote, do you know what? I don't know. I love Shane's movies. I think he's a great director. Primer and Upstream Color are awesome. That is, I think the, uh, he says, uh, that is, I think the best script I've ever read. It's the craziest idea for a movie ever. Whoa. It's so cool. Um, I actually keep meaning to get my agents on the phone to talk about it, to try and see if we can kick it up again. But, but not, I'm still attached to it, I guess, but I hope we get to make it in the future. So, again, this is another filmmaker who read one of Karu's scripts and said this is out, this is beyond anything that anyone's really done. You know, Ryan Johnson said yeah. a topiary was one of the most ambitious and greatest sci-fi scripts he's ever read. Man, it makes me just, it just, <laughs> so, it just, it, oh, God damn it, I just want to read it. I know, yeah, it's, it's I killer. know. Him it being, just feels like he's like this genius that just someone needs to just place a bet on this guy and just go for it, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Someone needs to take a chance. Exactly. Like, really, like, how many people out of pocket, how many filmmakers out of pocket who, who say that, yeah, your shit is so good, could whip out a million bucks from a bank account and fucking just give it to him to make a movie? You know what I mean? Like... That's what yeah. bothers me kind of about movie making in general is yeah. that I get that you don't want to, if you, you always want to find a source of income outside of yourself for a film, not income, a source of uh, financing for your film that's not you, because if you don't have to pay for it, then that's good for you. But at the <laughs> yeah. same time, yeah. if you guys are so interested in this guy's fucking script, kick a fucking million dollars over there yeah. and, and let him be independent to make a script. And they used to do that in the 70s. Like, God. Like, seriously. Like, like, why can't Tom Holland just send him his Avengers money? Dude, you, you know what I mean? He made, yeah. like, a bajillion dollars off of <laughs> Spider-Man and Avengers. Or Keanu Reeves. Like, how, why? Because Keanu Reeves is part of the modern ocean. Yeah. Fuck and, it, you know what? You know what, you know what Tom you know? Holland needs to do? He needs to give off, give away every single fucking penny he got from he doesn't deserve Kong it skull he doesn't island. deserve <laughs> he oh he was yeah. in skull island he needs who's he in Kong skull yeah. island he was the the yeah the oh no no he wasn't right no i'm I thinking think of hiddleston was. i'm thinking of hiddleston oh tom holland's the spider-man was, it, yeah. was tom was he the little guy though was Hitt- tom holland the he was in he was like one of the like <sighs> he might he might have been one I of the like lowly dudes on the ship i thought it could it could be really I, I'll look it up. Okay, I, I, no, I'm wrong. It was someone else that looks like him. Um, but yeah. Uh, if you Google Tom Holland, Tom Holland, you know Tom how Holland is it like? Is, yeah, he he's in um, the Lost City of Z. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I really like that movie. Oh heck, I just yeah. watched that recently. Dude, it's so it's good. super good. It was my one of my yeah. favorite films of that year. That was super. I love James Gray, man. You have to check out his other films. Yeah. We own the night. Yeah, I gotta check them out. We own the night, man. You gotta check that one out. And the immigrant. El immigrante. And two two lovers. That was a good one. You like that one, dude? I yeah, I'm a big fan of lovers in general. No, dude, it's you know, two that's... lovers, man. It's good. It's super good. It has uh, Joaquin Phoenix and yeah, it's, two lovers. It's a it's 
all the James Gray's movies, almost all of them have Joaquin Phoenix in them, and they're all really good. Oh, that's cool. Romantic drama. It's good. It's good. It's actually, <laughs> Boring. but it's it's not. It's it's not quite like what you think it is. It's pretty good. I'm not really mm. into those type of movies, but I really like Two Lovers. Oh, cool. So, if you're a listener and you have a million dollars, please send it to Shane Carruth. <laughs> oh, Dude, no, no, so no, he no. can send make like to BTP legitimate. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, send us a million and then send, yeah, send the rest to Shane Carruth. We'll, because... we'll send it to Tim ourselves. Wink, wink. And I get it. Yeah, we will say. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that. Obviously, we'll do I'm that being one. a little facetious here, right? I mean, just because you're a mega millionaire person generally means that. It's all wrapped up in assets, yeah. right? And you're paying right. those assets. You hang on to your money so that you can pay for the lifestyle that you have. It's not often that people just have liquid yeah. cash ready to go. You can buy a gothic castle in Austria with it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but plus, like knowing Disney, they probably still haven't pay- paid him. You know what I mean? They're yeah. Probably like he's still waiting for his contract to get. You know? Dude, but my dream so. though, like honestly, like. I've always thought this. Make if I had like a million dollars. Well, yeah, but uh, <laughs> if I had the cash, if I was, you know, if I was comfortably living and was making million dollars a year, let's say a million even a year, yeah. I would. I've always thought this. I wanted to create an organization that was designed to give a no strings attached, like let's say ten grand, yeah, to upcoming filmmakers. Yeah, if he's sweet. You have a you have a short film yeah. idea that I think is fucking cool. Yeah. Here's ten grand. Yeah, dude. I won't yeah. get in your hair about it. You know, maybe maybe there's some stipulations. Yeah. Maybe like you got to report. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's tough, right? Maybe maybe you do have there to have like some sort of like financial responsibility, yeah. so you don't just walk away I mean, ten you, grand. Yeah, you wouldn't like. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't sure. give it away to anyone. You, you like, know, they'd be responsible. They would. They shit. would enter. They would enter their scripts yeah. into the organization. We'd basically off of personal preference. I'd be like, you know, yeah. that one's cool. Let's fund it. Yeah. I'll give you ten Coppola grand. Coppola does that. That's fucking cool, dude. Yeah. And that's like that to me as a person coming up in film. Like, ta- if, if someone dropped ten yeah. grand in my lap to make a film right now, dude, I would be <laughs> over the moon. Oh, you know? yeah. Like that's that's it's and you know you could travel to the moon for ten grand. That's pretty good. You could travel over the moon for ten grand. Oh, have you holy seen shit. the film <laughs> Trip to the Moon? Come on, man. Where you been? I've read Goodnight Moon, the book. <laughs> But I, I, I think that's actually becoming a movie. But you know, like you know what I mean. Like, how many like multi-billionaire people could really just be like here, who actually have a million dollars in liquid cash, be like, "Hey, dude, here you go." Like fucking Robert Downey Jr. can. Maybe people will say that that's that's a uh, you know it's not prudent to do. Yeah. They got to the where they're at, mega rich because they're prudent with cash. But you know, it's actually kind of fucked up. Kevin Spacey did. <laughs> you did what? <laughs> Kevin Spacey did. He had a foundation that gave money to up and coming filmmakers. Oh man! Yep. That's such a. It's such. I mean, you know, you give just back, little right? boys. I want to say it was called the Kevin Spacey Foundation or something like that. That's and cool. My, I'm sure they exist. Yeah, my 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 old high school biology teacher actually sent me a link to that years ago. And I was like, you should apply for this, but huh. I didn't meet the requirements at the time. But uh, usually, they, you, they you were you were too old, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! We went there. Oh god! Uh, there goes the rest of our listeners. I think it's <laughs> goodbye. I'm sure they exist though. If I really started to dig into it, you know, there's all there's angel investor foundations yeah. for all sorts of stuff. So like, yeah, but yeah. That to me personally, I I personally would really like to do that just because, be and then have more, 
you know, find those scripts that are that are cool. That yeah. are, because I think my taste in film is a little bit different. So to find those scripts that are like out there and not yeah. your traditional like fucking stoner drama or yeah, something, we, you we, know, stoner comedy. Right. Like we need more originality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and give those experimental yeah, films sure. a chance. You know, that would be that's definitely up there as like a, a passion of mine and a dream of mine. If I ever get to a point where we need more cars and more that. Ruths. <laughs> more cars cars four jesus uh come on pixar uh, <laughs> let's yeah. get some more cars movies out the gate um, um do you have anything else i think you want to jump into go ahead oh uh, i i i mean from our conversation that we just had glue, gluing back into it i think a24 and shank ruth uh, could have a really interesting future together That's what i don't understand and i was just reading that Apparently he signed with WME, that that agency oh. that represents maybe yeah. they're oh. not into it as much, or A twenty four, or Annapurna, or Annapurna is actually a yeah. production company. Oh, okay, yeah. So there, so that's we we talked about this on our A twenty four episode. If you didn't listen, basically the gist is that A twenty four is a distribution company for the most part. Um, so that what that means is generally you make your film. Get it at the festival. A twenty four shows up at the fest- festival yeah. and is like, "Okay, we'll buy it and get it out there." Um, they have they Moonlight was their first production, um, and they have done some before that, and they're ramping up to do more of that. But generally speaking, they buy films to, to then. I think that's what Cruz needs is a production company. That's what he and that's, yeah. So you said Annapurna. Annapurna is actually a production company. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So they specialize in actually getting the film made. Yeah. I really think that's what he but needs, so he doesn't have to do his own money. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, exactly. at the same time, because of A24's interesting status, I mean, I could see A24 being at the front of Upstream Color. Mm. Really. Yeah. It seems like an A24 movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, maybe they've talked to him, or maybe he doesn't like him. I don't know. There's, that's the problem with the secrecy and the privacy surrounding this guy and his failed adventures as failed mm-hmm. other films is that you mm-hmm. don't know. You don't know who he's talked to. You don't know if anyone gives a shit about him. You don't know he's if his agent is screwing him. I mean, maybe. <laughs> I mean, he showed up out of nowhere and made waves. So, I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know. It's definitely weird, and I I really look forward to his future endeavors, dude. I uh, know as long as it doesn't come out that he's like a child molester or something. I don't really know, you, you know, because oh, who knows? Who knows? Like what the secrecy is. Like maybe he's a bad egg, he's probably, or maybe he maybe he's just a genius who is just in his own head. Yeah, he just seems like he's just kind of like a, a private guy, like Kubrick. You know, yeah, does private it, guy just doesn't want yeah. doesn't like press. Just wants to kind of. Maintain his yeah. his life, his private life, but do his art too. Yeah, know? pretty much. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's do a roundtable. Let's just uh, let's do it. This off. So this is let's do uh, let's do Jacob Blast. Oh. Okay, okay. Because I because I know this is one topic that you were extremely interested. I was itching. In. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and both these movies mean like a lot to me. I feel like my so. choice for you is easy though, but I I want you to surprise me. Um, so let's, I'm excited to I'm surprise still you. Thinking about Jacobs. Let's man. kick oh. it off with Byron. Yeah, I think because I think I feel like yours is a bit easy too. Okay. I think Upstream Color. Okay. It's just more your sh- more your jam. I mean, <laughs> it's just it's it's more experimental. It's a little more gnarly than Primer is with some of the the graphic nature of it. Um, mm-hmm. and the story is just way more yeah. esoteric. Byron. Cool. You cool. know, I just I think yeah, Upstream Color. It is. 
Yeah, I'm. All, I'm also gonna say upstream. I'm. I'm gonna say the the look of the film is is important to you. And Primer really doesn't look all that great. You know. Um, yeah, you like high gloss. <laughs> you like. Yeah. You like Refin. You but like. I mean, I really like. Neon. I really like Rough though, like Herzog and Trash and Gummo and Trash Humpers. <laughs> yeah. I love that yeah. shit. I eat that shit up. That's so true. It's true. It, it really. It it is is true, but in yeah. your own filmmaking, right. your, your filmmaking like is the, glossy. The, the so. glossier. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 You're a big gloss guy. Um, that lip gloss, smacking it. So yeah, that lip gloss, smack your lips a little bit for I the only listeners. use lip gloss for my butt. <laughs> That's a All right, joke. here's Byron's uh, lip smack. <laughs> <laughs> That was Byron. <laughs> I can't even do it. I can't even do one. You, that you that was like a little lips. <laughs> like, lost your lips. All right. Um, so yeah, I'm saying upstream for a lot of the same reasons. I think like the tone of this movie is really interesting too. But I think maybe like the, um, just like how the story kind of unfolds. I think was was also interesting. Plus, to I you. think and some of the look of it is like really great yeah like uh, some of the cinematography and like the tracking shots are really cool so and i know you like sci-fi but i never heard you like gush over sci-fi whereas upstream so upstream is considered sci-fi but it doesn't feel sci-fi i mean blade runner is one of my favorite films oh that's true and stalker is too that's true. Blade yeah. Runner and this is, is like sci-fi this is like stalkery sci-fi for sure but yeah blade runner is also like is almost more cyberpunk and noir yeah, than and, sci-fi, and, and even a little thriller. Yeah, noir. Yeah, yeah it tends yeah. to just be in a sci-fi setting. Right, right. So anyway, yeah, the movie really is just like the setting. Yeah, like Blade Runner. Yeah. It's a big like, hey, here's the world. Totally. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, unfortunately, you guys are right. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm to Easy. be on, to be honest. You don't like primer. Do I don't you? like primer. <laughs> I know. You said it earlier. You said it on an earlier podcast. Yeah, than I, I just. <laughs> I. I did you did you rewatch it for this? I did. Okay. Yeah. I don't. I, well, okay. I started, and 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 just I do it. like. I just. I I kind of I fast forward through some of it. You know, like it like. I just. I try to give it a second shot. I'm just for some reason I just couldn't get into it, man. I just I can't even tell you exactly why. I think part of it is the look, to be honest. <laughs> like yeah. it it seems a little It's not a good look. It seems a little like I don't know, like the yellows and the and stuff. It just doesn't it's not I like the green of his garage though. The green's cool. I like the green. It looks like yeah. the Matrix or something. But the other stuff, it just like it has that I don't know. I there's something about it, I'm just not a, big fan of i love the themes and i really appreciate the fact that he did it all himself it's impressive it really is impressive i like that element of it to me though at the same time it's like it's kind of like it's like it's kind of like fight club you know everybody loves it and everybody it's like it's the go-to independent film besides like sex lies and videotape and you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. it's it's like I guess Sex Lies and Videotape actually not so much. People, still a lot of people haven't even seen that. Um, our age, yeah. um, but like, yeah, and that's actually really good movie really if good you haven't movie, watched yeah. it. But yeah, the primary, that's it's just, one of my it's favorites. One of those ones that like people just go to. It, I don't. know. It's just it's like it kind of a film bro movie to me. Okay, fair enough. And I think well, it's like one of those indie movies that like gets talked about a lot. Yeah, it's kind of like like what you we know? were talking about um, with uh, Nanaka the North. It seems yeah. like it's one of those ones that you it's like, oh, we're talking about uh, nonlinear plots. What movies are we going to talk about? Oh, Memento, Bad <laughs> yeah. Education, and Primer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Aubrey Loso hosts. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I, I think that's why. And I think the first time I watched it, it was for a class. And I think that's, it took that, it, get, it, 
it just it has that academic feel to it and i feel like maybe if i had seen it not knowing what it did i would have appreciated it more so do you actually like upstream color i actually like upstream color okay because i went and saw that knowing that it was by the guy who did primer and i i i really liked it okay um nice i i saw it at the pickford and um it was really cool i actually went with like some of my friends and they were just like completely like, why the fuck did you bring me to this thing? Like, I feel like I saw it yeah, for you know? two. Yeah, it was that. Yeah. I I did too. Actually, it was at the limelight. Yeah, it was just like. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I really I really enjoyed it. I just loved the sounds and the, that music, that's, dude. That's what really whoa. when I whoa. walked away from it the first time. That's what I really remember was yeah. the, the sound, mm-hmm. and the music, and stuff, and also the yeah. editing, of course, um, and just how like avant garde it is. How you can take a Avant-garde, piece of yeah. this and and like oh you know the orchids and, and like and then the, the pigs yeah. babies and all and just combining all that and making something it has that Mulholland drive kind of feel to it where he got he has these different images and then he just kind of combined it and it fucking like works yeah it's kind of like soviet montage a little bit but like m- more cross-cut yeah it's you know what i like, mean like it's not quite it's soviet montage more transcendent transcendental it's the logical yeah. step past that. Like yeah. if if, yeah. if montage yeah. is like modernist, this is the post. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, def- for sure. Has that yeah. like has that dreamy feel though? Yeah, you know, like Matt Malick. Yeah, and stuff. And and that was actually one thing though when I did watch Upstream Color for the first time. I I I like Malick, but I'm not. I don't come all over. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, 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 so when I watched, he's it, hard to watch for you. I was just like ah. I, I'm getting a lot of Malik vibes, you know, like, and it, I was kind of like, eh, but I just love the experimental part of it so much that I, yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. it, I glossed over that. Um, mm. yeah. Cool. Oh, sweet. I dig it. I dig it. Um, all right. We'll do me next so that Jacob can go last. Dope. Uh, for you, I'm going to, I'm going to go primer. Um, I'm primed. I don't really know rhyme. I think you're just primo. You're primo Donna. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, I think I think I think it's primer because um, I don't really know. It's just like a gut feeling. Okay. Like my the more I think about it, the more I think I should vote for upstream color. <laughs> but I'm just gonna go with my gut. Do you go with your primer. gut or your brain. Mm-hmm. <sighs> <laughs> I feel this. I feel this is kind of tough for me because I feel like I read your thing about upstream color, and I know you really you're on Letterbox. I really you like I, both those posts, but both I, are five but, stars, so I made it really I didn't hard. Read your primer one. Do you have one for primer too? I posted both of them. Fuck, I didn't. Oh, are they both five stars? I yeah. didn't see the primer one. God damn oh, it! Holy shit. Yeah, they're both five shit, stars. Because I was like, there might be a reason why you didn't post primer because maybe you like that one. See, more. I made sure to post both of them because I oh, knew both were going to be five stars, it. so I made sure to post both. Oh, no, this is, actually makes it even tougher for me. Okay, I want to go with upstream color. I feel like the the I not only the idea behind it. I, I mean, I know you like science fiction. Two thousand one is one of your favorites, but I feel like Kubrick is the real deal. Caruth is is independent uh, lo fi. You know what I mean? Kubrick is stereo. Caruth is lo fi. <laughs> mono <laughs> he has mono oh and i he doesn't have the spectacle that cooper yeah and i know that you yeah. like spectacle i mean apocalypse now and and stuff so and it's and, funny because i and, and you also like malik you know yeah, you like yeah, malik yeah. more than i do and i feel 
I feel like Upstream Color is more towards that Kubrick, Malik, hard K C sounds. <laughs> <laughs> it's the sounds of the words that really bring it all together. Yeah. Uh, it's funny that you say that though, because like, in honest, all honesty, I don't like spectacle. That's, mm. not, that's one of the reasons why I don't like superhero movies is because it's well, just I guess that's, but that's like a different but, type of spectacle. But yeah, it's different. Uh, Apocalypse yeah. Now is a weird movie too because it has it does have spectacle and yeah. it does have narrations. Two things that I'm generally not into, but for some reason that movie just but like makes the Neon it Demon is spectacle too in the sense of it's it's yeah it's very visual and the spectacle of it is seems so I wouldn't like, call it spectacle. It's more glamorous or glitzy. Yeah, spectacle yeah, to me is glam. like yeah. is like big okay okay yeah you know, like almost epic it has like superheroes kind of yeah. fucking fighting each other okay, you know that like sense. that to me is or fucking <laughs> or, or fucking apparently um so yeah so watchman dude watchman is watchman. Such a fucking movie, yeah um, i like watchman uh it is upstream color okay cool. so they're both five stars for sure nice. for sure um primer is very i think is an important movie to watch especially as a budding filmmaker anyone who is like that because you can see what you can do. Primer yeah, is a perfect yeah. example of content over quality, and you will yeah. derive quality from the content. It's kind of like brick. Yeah, it's exactly yeah, brick. it's exactly like that. Yeah. Um, just is that so? Is that why you like Primer? Is that why it's a five star for you? Uh, I just really like I like the plot, and I like I like mm. what he did with so yeah. little. It always makes me think, um, and I just think that it's it just did something special in a time where that just you know, people were two thousand four. Yeah. You know, you look. It's still one of those like big time years where mm-hmm. everyone was creaming their pants to to big big movies. <laughs> so like, yeah, it just came in, and I just have a high respect for a filmmaker who just does it all. Yeah, you know, Primer is just it's good. And um, I think when I first watched it, I don't think it was as highly rated. But I think now being uh being more. V- Having more films under my yeah, belt yeah, yeah. And, and coming from that perspective yeah. um, and being a little more open to filmmaking in general, I think Primer just kind of just hit it. It's just engaging to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah. All just done via writing. Yeah. I mean, really, the movie is just it's all a writing. great exercise in writing, yeah. for sure. Um, but Upstream mm-hmm. Color, really, yeah, it's just like, I mean, it's everything that yeah. I like about it. You know, <laughs> cool. It's fucking sick yeah. music. Yeah. The editing, actually, this time around... Uh, the first like five minutes, the editing real it kind of was like, whoa, dude! If it's like this fast all the time, I might be too aware of uh, it. But you start yeah. to lose it. It mm. starts to change its pace in editing yeah. fairly quick after mm-hmm. that, so you start to just get used to it. Um, but I mean, the editing, the non-linear, the connect. I really like the idea of cross-cutting stuff yeah, to really cool. to break out and you know. I find that super hard to do. It's so hard. It's like, so yeah. fucking hard. Dude. I don't. Ah. Uh, yeah. And then to get people on board with what you're doing, and then how do you write that? Like, you know, this script that we did for the Pitch Fest, because we did it before the episode this time, like, I wrote that with the intention of it being more of an experimental, non-linear, like, it was episodic. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking, planning, like, six episodes, each episode dealing with a perspective of a person... um, Told from that perspective, but it's the same kind of, like, thing. But the plotting of it would be, like more experimental in that sense and like just trying to like build right. an experimental film is really hard to do having faith yeah. in what you shot yeah and the image that you're ha- that you have in your mind and filmed yeah 
to have faith in that before you edit it to make sure that you have that right oh do i have all of what it takes to cross cut it exactly cross cut to edit it yeah Yeah. that's like damn yeah you know totally yeah that's what my 48 hour horror film was last year Mm That's what I wanted it to be. Which you need to um, send us, goddammit. <laughs> God, no. <laughs> um, but, like, it just, I couldn't explain, like, I couldn't put into words, like, what I wanted. And, like, I tried really hard to, but I think people just didn't get it. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. So it, it had to be something else mm. that was kind of similar to that. Mm. But, like, it wasn't. It didn't get to like that point that I wanted it to be, and I think it's because it was four forty-eight. I mean, you know did you I mean? remember doing trying to do ideation and trying to like? I mean, I don't even remember how we scripted that because it was so fucking just like oddball. It was so <laughs> yeah. experiment. It was pretty experimental yeah. for because uh, yeah, it was experimental. And we just yeah. had this like all this weird shit happening. That's why I liked know, that like, one. That was cool because I just remember watching. That. I think it was at one of the. It was our. It was my it was, very first yeah. festival. Yeah, and that was cool because yeah. it was like, oh wow, this is really different yeah you know like yeah. yeah it was fantasy and then had yeah it was not elves and fucking orcs so they didn't yeah. like it but it was just like, that was our yeah that was I our note it was liked, like this isn't fantasy enough that's why i and liked it was it, like you guys what did exactly you what i would have done i wouldn't have fucking put elves in it but that's what they wanted that's what but i, I would have been like yeah. fuck that like, yeah. i want to do yeah well so, if it if they wanted high fantasy they should have said high fantasy yeah, on the card exactly yeah. fantasy's like such a vague exactly fantasy could be anything fantasy could we be like magical like, realism we should have shot a dude imagining fucking porn happening that's his fantasy two smurfs going at it yeah exactly <laughs> um, no, but yeah I, I really like that I find it very impressive when filmmakers can do that I strive to kind of do that in my my own filmmaking now um, yeah so it's upstream color yeah it's hard yeah, it's very hard yeah it's, it's hard. very impressive yeah. um, and I just and you really need that unified voice in order to do right. it because some like you know talk about like David Lynch like he's our, he's making the kind of films that you can't really explain in words you just have to watch them yeah, yeah exactly you know and he, so yeah. it's it's that to me yeah. that is filmmaking because filmmaking is visual. Yeah. If you if you have a film that cannot be translated well into words, then you did you likely not all the case not always, but likely did well in creating something right. filmic. Because that's what film is. It's to me some of the best films are ones that it's purely can only be made through that art form. Exactly. Like it's not. Yeah. Like because you can make there's a lot of films out there that you can that would be better as books you know yeah, yeah. or plays or graphic novels exactly you know? yeah. yeah but this is like you can't make upstream color any other way yeah. than a movie but know? i would be so down to like read a book adaptation of upstream color you know what i mean it would just be like so different mm-hmm. but i would like love to yeah. see how they would do that in a book because it, it would be different i mean you know what i mean to me the most filmic book i've ever read is house of leaves i still haven't read that amazing book I need to it's read that. the most experimental book i've ever read it i could see it working as a film in fact i, I tried to start to adapt it because there's parts of it that were just like dude if you could make this into a film it'd be the greatest thing ever but it's just it's so it's just like you go from one weird idea to another and there's uh, no like do it i don't know it's do just, it it's cool adapt it's it cool. Yeah. um but that that's probably the closest get thing the I rights think of for that <laughs> nice. i wish someone probably has the rights for it someone probably does um, <laughs> yeah um tom, yeah. tom holland's agent <laughs> uh yeah so upstream color for me uh all right let's do nice. jacob nice i'm gonna go let's with primer me. 
I just I I'm gonna say I know it's primer. I'm gonna go that far. Um, it's just tough for me because like, I feel like there's parts of Extreme Color that like are just so Jacob, like with the kind of like the idea of like this mother. Well, she's not really a mother, but she because the pigs have the kids, right? She. Mm-hmm. she feels that she has these maternal instincts and that's why she's kind of acting crazy but because she doesn't know like you know what i mean like she doesn't have kids but she i don't know you know what i mean and like i feel like like mothers i think are something that you like appreciate um like at least no. jacob <laughs> wants to be one at least like in film not at, at all least, like in film you know what i mean like i like that that bond and sure. and that like the problems that can arise from that and also just like like th- this couple that like meet um against their will but they attra- are attracted to one another in a sense i love the way he does that too where it's just like yeah. these weird blunt questions because they don't know why they're they're like pulled to each yeah. other so yeah. they're just like asking each other shit that you wouldn't like it's not in a way that you would ever ask someone there's yeah. like what, what why do you do that what do you do what are you doing it, you know like for some yeah. weird reason it kind of reminded me of her a little bit. I don't okay. know why. Yeah. I think maybe also like just the, the yeah. strangeness, the foreignness of the relationship, yeah. sort of a thing. And yeah. so, um, so I kind of I feel like you might, might like that stuff, but I know that you've mentioned Primer quite a bit throughout the episodes of of the podcast. It seems at least I feel maybe maybe not in the episodes, but like maybe before when we talk before the episode or after. Mm-hmm. If you look at Jacob's letterbox, primer is favorited and upstream color is not. So, <sighs> but I, he, I feel like oh, I feel God damn it, this is tough. That's because that's because I probably just didn't get to it. Weird. I know. Well, I, you feel only like, get I feel four. like primer is one of those ones, one of those films, kind of like when I saw like Stalker, it just revolutionized how I thought about films, and I think primer was that for you, and maybe that's why I'm going to go with primer. Alright. Well shit. Well shit. Um well here here's here's the thing. <laughs> oh shit. Here's the thing. You ask me in when did Upstream come out? You asked me in twenty thirteen when I saw Upstream Color at the Pickford. Which one did I like more? I would have said primer. And I would have been dead set on primer. Wow, did but it really t- change? Today Damn it. progression of the person, I I guess. Today it's upstream color by uh, a significant amount, I would wow. say. Um, I love Primer, and this m- might have to do with the fact that I've seen it like over a dozen times. I think uh, I wrote my like one of my last like film papers on Primer, and what I wanted to do was like get past the plotting of Primer. So I spent the first half of my paper writing about the plotting of Primer and deciding on what it a plot is you know for that movie and then diving into like how that is related to the themes and the editing and like how it like connects this whole giant thing together um so i am a lover of primer but i think just what upstream color does is um it's just so much like more you know what i mean like it 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 feels like it's this like it feels like shank ruth has like a full like a bigger handle on making a film and like what he wants what he what wants his voice to be and it's all things that i really appreciate like the um you know like like how it does the cross cutting and and how 
how it like it's like this feel movie you know what i mean yeah. versus primer it feels like he's kind of make he's trying to do like a more not that he's trying to do hollywood but it feels like a little more like hold your handy than upstream like it just feel like he really just was throwing spaghetti at the wall for upstream color and i just i really appreciate that nice aspect. so yeah upstream so for we me. all like upstream more. all went upstream yeah we're <laughs> all up our own butt streams but i would all i you know i would seriously recommend both of these films I mean, yeah really. i think they, they yeah. make a great uh pairing definitely they do and for me i forgot to mention this primer was like so i was also a math major uh in college for a while and i saw i was taking like film classes and stuff like that and i saw pri- it was, primer wasn't every uh <laughs> thank you <laughs> primer wasn't a required film it was like one of those extra recommended films you know that you could could watch if you wanted so i watched that and uh just because it looked you know cool and it had a cool name uh and i liked the poster but um yeah and i watched that and i was like you know what you know fuck math you know what i mean <laughs> and i switched over to English creative writing to be a more creative a broke filmmaker person. So yeah, to be a broke filmmaker. So really, Primer was like really primed me for my English uh, <laughs> oh, God. career. You know, my primo English career. <laughs> cool man. So yeah, so yeah, Primer has a very dear place in my heart. But I think I like Upstream. It definitely more. feels like a like we grew up and. St- Upstream Color is like a matured, growing up filmmaker who matured, right? Yeah. And we feel like we matured, so I can see why it would resonate more in our own filmmaking. Yeah. Especially when you really start to break down how films get made. Um, if you study that, then it, it becomes a little more interesting to yeah. watch, I think. Yeah. Upstream Color, I mean. Um, yeah, yeah, for because sure. Because of that. So, um, yeah, that's cool. But yeah, like I said, definitely both of them are, are fascinating to watch. They're both really short. I mean, fucking primers like super short yeah it's like 80 minutes yeah it's like yeah. 77 80 um, minutes. yeah so and upstream's like less than 100 minutes yeah so it's like an hour and a half or something um yeah but they're both really cool to watch for various reasons and to see this individual who again came out of nowhere with these two films um and is comes out of nowhere fades it yeah. back into the nether regions of yeah. wherever the fuck he came from and it's then so shows weird. up again <laughs> like, yeah so so maybe in like 2023 did primer come out in 2003 2004 2004 so maybe in 2022 we will see another shane Carruth. at this rate dude he's like one every deck yeah once a decade like yeah every nine years he, I, I heard that he has a cameo in um a bulgarian woman that's coming out pretty soon i don't know oh what. Are you? Is that, is that a, a joke? <laughs> Are you joking? He's wa- he's waving his head around like a joke. It's actually Bulgarian Navy woman. That's what it was. Are you? <laughs> I don't want to look this up because I feel like it's going to take me to some nasty stuff. Okay, Bulgarian no, no, Navy no, Woman no, no, okay. com. Swiss Army man, Bulgarian Navy woman. Oh my god! Oh. Jesus. That was the worst it was joke a stretch. Ever. I know. I'm cutting that joke funny. out of this episode because it was so. Please, bad. God, we if we had any listeners left, they would have left after. Jacob that. was the king of bad jokes, but you might have just crowned yourself. Uh, I figured that Jacob would have like you know like that one. I I am a fan. Yeah, yeah, rotisserie. Oh Jesus. Fan. 
before this gets any worse and we lose all our listeners entirely goodbye um, listeners yeah that was Shane Carter so if you have any questions or opinions send an email to btbfilmspodcast at gmail.com also visit our Facebook page to comment on discuss this week's episode or any of the past episodes which if you really do like those please 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 rate it um, it helps you know move us up the list helps others find us helps us produce better content um, you can also follow us on Letterbox at Jacob Foltz, Byron Goet, G-O-U-E-T-T-E, and Hyperion Creator for me. Mine is actually J.C. Foltz 24. I thought it was Jacob. I, I, uh, Did you change it back? Maybe it's, maybe it's either. Uh, no? I don't know. When I look at your thing now. Look up just, either of those. I think it's just. This is Jacob Foltz? I'm pretty sure it's just Jacob Foltz. Oh, All right. It's Jacob Foltz. Yeah. Um, and Hyperion creator for me, Jacob will take primer off of his favorites list and put upstream color instead because he's a lying sack of crap. Um, <laughs> nah, next week, next week, I'm super stoked for next week actually. Um, because I've kind of been into these types of films. So next week, we'll be talking about the Korean New Wave film movement, um, with the films Woo. The Host and Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. Um, if you want to watch any other extra films within this movement, which I highly, highly, highly recommend, check out um, Old Boy mm. and um, Lady yeah. Vengeance. And which I are, saw the Devil. I saw the Devil. Um, mm. The what the hell? Villainous. What the villainous? What was that villainous? Chris Evans one? What was the Chris Evans oh, one? Oh, Snowpiercer. 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 Yeah. Um, oh, Stoker. Stoker. He's great. Uh, Thirst. Thirst. Um, yeah. The good, the bad, and the weird. Okja, the good, Okja. the bad, and the weird. Um, you should have watched Okja. <laughs> yeah, you should have watched that one already. If you are a listener, um, um, yeah, the good, the so bad, and the weird. Um, a, a tale of two sisters. Uh, basically, there's like this is you know Bong Joon Ho, Kim Ji Woon uh, are these filmmakers that just are just really rocking it. Um, Korean Korean media, like TV and filmmaking, right now, I think is is the real hot spot for things um so but we'll be talking about the host and sympathy for mr vengeance because we can only pick two um but this is a really cool movement um yeah just check it out um check it out yeah chickity check it out man i want to go to korea all right so make sure you watch the host Which one? and of course all of them yeah, that'd be cool to go to <laughs> all six of them. Yeah. <laughs> to go to North Korea sometime. Uh, so check out the host and sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. Um, and make sure you watch those. Be part of the discussion. Thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> uh, uh, best ending. <laughs>